Warning. The following podcast episode includes discussion and audio of sensitive topics involved in the Harvey Weinstein case, primarily those concerning sexual assault and rape. If listening to the episode will provide some form of trauma to any listener, we heavily suggest that you avoid listening to the podcast and look out for future episodes. Thank you. Harvey Weinstein, co-founder of Miramax Films Corporation and the Weinstein Company, was recently convicted of two charges, and his case has implications extending into the Me Too movement and the way in which society addresses sexual violence overall. Today, as I discuss his case, I'm lucky to be joined by Kayla Haynes. Kayla, thank you for joining me today. So, Kayla is a survivor herself and has held various positions with different organizations to help combat sexual violence and assist other survivors. So why don't you tell us a little about your work and just your story overall? Um, well, thank you for having me, first off. Um, my story with sexual violence um, is very personal to mm-hmm. me. Um, at a young age, I was sexually abused as a child from the ages of 12 to 17. Mm-hmm. So that was about five years. Um, it was a very traumatizing experience for me. Um, I didn't really know what was going on, but I knew it was wrong. Um, I knew what that, what that person was doing was wrong. Um, it was also an experience of violence in the black church. Um, It was someone that I was very close to, someone who my family trusted a lot of great deal of trust, um, and he abused that sense of trust. Um, It also was the reason why I kind of steered away from the black church, Mm -hmm. um, steering away from Christianity. Although I do still identify as a Christian, um, I would say that my faith is not that strong as it used to be um, because there's some sense of betrayal that I experienced. Um, After my abuse ended, um, that was largely because I had to switch schools. Um, dealing with abuse, we know that everyone kind of responds to trauma differently. Not yeah. everyone responds to trauma the same. Um, so for me, it was a lot of depression, anxiety, anger issues, um, a lot of trust. And going back to my anger issues, um, I would get in a lot of fights at school. Yeah. I would always be angry. I would always be mad. So that led to me like getting suspended and having to switch counties. So I had to ultimately switch schools. Okay. Um, so... Just being in a different space in a different environment kind of gave me the space to kind of heal or try to understand, like, what happened to me. Um, I never really talked to my parents about it. I never told them about it. Um, Again, because I'm a child, I'm a teenager, I don't really know how to have these conversations. Um, And we never had these conversations in my household. Um, So after I left high school, I went to college, I went to Spelman, um, and I experienced sexual violence my freshman year. Um, it was someone who I trusted, yeah. again, um, someone who was a great friend, wow. um, and he actually took my virginity from me. So, again, that was another situation where I was just re-traumatized again, mm-hmm. um, and it actually ruined my college experience. Um, I dealt with a lot of anger issues, depression, um, suicidal thoughts, um, and I was very, very lost for about a year, I would say. Um, going into my sophomore year of college, I actually decided to come forward about my sexual yeah. assault. Um, I got involved with the It's On Us campaign, which is a campaign to fight against sexual assault on college campuses. Um, It was launched by President Barack Obama and Vice President Joe Biden. Um, Being involved with that campaign, it gave me the space to be open and honest about myself um, and also be an advocate for other survivors of sexual assault. Um, I remember when Joe Biden came to my campus um, to talk about sexual assault. I got the chance to introduce him on stage, but before that, I had to tell my story. Um, So... I'm in front of thousands of people. You have TV cameras everywhere. You have all these reporters. Yeah. And I'm backstage having a panic attack because I have to go on stage in like five minutes. Yeah. Um, so it was just a very, very 
it was scary for yeah, me. Um, but once I got on stage and told my story, it kind of felt like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very, very thankful for that. I'm thankful for the It's On Us campaign and what it has done for me as a survivor and as an advocate. Um, and going forward, I work with organizations such as Know Your Nine and Rape on Campus, No More. Um, and just traveling nationally, work with survivors of sexual assault as well. This is an issue that I'm very, very passionate about and it's very dear to me. Okay. Well, all in all, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me today. I really appreciate it. And for all of you at home, I'm Akila Merchant. It's Friday, February 28th, and you're listening to Operation Status Quo. Weinstein was once considered to be a major success in the Hollywood film industry, responsible for films like Pulp Fiction and The King's Speech. But life took a turn for him in October of 2017, when the New York Times and the New Yorker exposed him for various sexual assault allegations. The following is a video from ABC News, at that time titled, New York City Police Investigating Sexual Allegations Against Harvey Weinstein. Tonight, Harvey Weinstein is in danger of criminal prosecution. The NYPD says multiple women have come forward with allegations of sexual assault by the movie mogul, and they're looking into those claims. In London, Scotland Yard says they're investigating five alleged crimes against Weinstein. Weinstein has denied any allegations of non-consensual sex. Soon later, Weinstein lost his job at the Weinstein Company and was removed from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. The following year, in May and June, he faced charges rooting back 2004, 2013, and 2006 against three women. Two of these women, those involved in the 2013-2006 incidents, recently faced him in trial, and they were Jessica Mann and Mimi Haley. In addition to Haley and Mann, there were other women, such as actress Annabella Shiora, who shared their own experiences in order to prove that Weinstein had repeatedly demonstrated such behavior, not just against two victims. So let's get to the first witness that I want to talk about, Jessica Mann. Mann claimed that she was raped by Weinstein in 2013, and on February 3rd of this year, she was especially emotional in court. Prior to her panic attack, she was asked about why she continued her relationship with Weinstein even after the raping occurred. Here's a report of the testimony from the Law and Crime Network in a video titled, Jesse Weber Reports on Actress Jessica Mann's Testimony in the Harvey Weinstein Trial. It's not just why did, you, why did she maintain contact with Harvey Weinstein after he allegedly assaulted her, but the suggestion that she was manipulating him, that she was leading him on in order to get benefits in her career. What we heard for the past uh, two hours or so was how many different uh, invitations and parties she received at the behest of the Weinstein Company, how Weinstein was there for her during a difficult time in her life, how she was there for him when his mother passed away. Now, a lot of people may look at this and immediately assume that Weinstein's attorneys were correct because why else would Mann ever choose to return to her supposed rapist? However, her story and behavior are actually quite commonplace. Forensic psychiatrist Dr. Barbara Ziv acknowledged in court that victims often continue to communicate and maintain relationships with their assaulters, and various reasons can affect such a decision. So let's hear what Kayla has to say. Is Mann's behavior of continuing her relationship with her rapist common? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think people need to understand that trauma bonding is a real thing. Um, There are situations where survivors of sexual violence do bond with their perpetrators. Some people may think that's just weird or that's crazy, but it's very, very common, um, especially for survivors of sexual assault. Uh, For example, for me, 
I still stayed in contact with my perpetrator in some way okay, because yeah. this person was a friend. This is someone that I did trust. And we also have to realize and understand that Harvey had a lot of power. Yeah. Um, and he had the power to make these women's dreams come true. A lot of um, influence. Right. So they still wanted to have some t- proximity to him or some closeness to him to get what they needed, although they were assaulted. Um, at the end of the day, we have to realize that it's not our narratives to control um, mm-hmm. and it's not our narratives to really comment on because we know, as I said, mentioned earlier, people deal with sexual trauma in different ways. Different ways, yeah. yeah. Well, it's also important to know that the second witness, Mimi Haley, had a similar story during one of the alleged assaults in 2006. She mentioned that she avoided informing the police due to complications with her visa and that she felt as if Mr. Weinstein's influence would protect him from punishment. She also continued her relationship with Weinstein because, like you said, of his influence and because she wanted to remain professional with him. So considering that Dr. Barbara Ziv explained this common misconception in rape cases prior to the testimonies of the two witnesses, why do you think Weinstein's defense team would attack Mann and Haley for such behavior? Um, I think they're just trying to steer away from accountability. Okay. Um, especially when we talk about things like visas and things like immigration. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't want to go back to the countries that they came from, mainly because they experience worse violence than they ever have in their lives. Um, we see that a lot with ICE. We see that a lot with deportation. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who come to the United States, um, they're fleeing violence and they're fleeing these deplorable conditions in these other countries. So they want to come here for a better life. Um, I think that it's very, very disrespectful mm-hmm. to even try to attack survivors and attack their stories because we were not there. Um, we don't know their experience. We don't know the type of trauma that they went through. So I think it's very, very insensitive. But ultimately, they're just trying to plead a case um, and just say that if this actually happened, they would have never did this. They would have never yeah. stayed in contact with him. So it's honestly just victim blaming. But like, also, you said we can't control their narrative. Right. Okay, so now I wanted to shift the discussion to talk about, in my opinion, one of the more controversial figures, defense lawyer Donna Rotuno. But before discussing her role, let's establish an understanding of the Me Too movement's progress in recent years. So as many of you may know, the Me Too movement has grown ever since Harvey Weinstein was exposed for sexual assault allegations in 2017. The reports led to a tweet by actress Alyssa Milano, and the public response was tremendous. Here's a video highlighting the response from Good Morning America titled, Alyssa Milano reacts to viral hashtag MeToo movement. That movement took off last weekend when Alyssa Milano highlighted it on Twitter, posting, if you've been sexually harassed or assaulted, write Me Too as a reply to this tweet. Now this morning, 1.5 million tweets and 13.5 million posts, comments, and reactions on Facebook and Twitter. And since this period of growth roots back to the allegations, the case evidently has a lot of impact on the future of the movement as well. So Kayla, what are your thoughts? Do you think the movement has been effective in sending a message to society about the issue of sexual violence? And why do you think there are still opposers of it? Um, I do think the movement has done a lot with okay. bringing light to sexual violence. Um, but I do want to center the work done by Tarana Burke, who is the founder and the creator of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when we talk about Me Too, we go with Alyssa Milano and Rose McGowan. Yeah. Um, although they did bring kind of this sense of awareness or they use their platform to shed light on Me Too. Um, we okay. also have to honor people that have been doing the work yeah. for 10 plus years. Yes. Um, but going back to your question, I do think that the movement had to, has done great work um, highlighting sexual assault and centering survivors' experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was great to see 
such a wave of women, men, non-binary folks, queer folks just coming together and sharing their experiences. I think a lot of misconceptions with Me Too is they think that, a lot of people think that it's something that's done to someone. Um, You can't get Me Tooed. Um, I think Me Tooed is just a shared experience among survivors and what they've been through. Um, I do think a lot of people kind of, stay weary of the Me Too movement, me especially because we're centering white voices all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at Me Too and we look at Me Too in the media, all we see is white faces. Yeah. We see white women. Um, I remember Toronto Burke came to Spelman, um, mm-hmm. Morehouse, and Clark Atlanta to talk about sexual assault. Um, and something that she said that stood out to me is that if you look for Me Too in the media, you're never going to see yourself. Yeah. Um, and you have to remember that this movement is for you. This movement is for black women. This movement is for trans folks, queer folks, undocumented folks. So I think when we talk about Me Too, although it is a great movement and has brought a voice to so many people across the country, I think that we also have to understand that we can't just center one type of face because there's not just one type of survivor. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said before, Ratuno's role and arguments were extremely controversial. She actually has a long history of defending cases similar to that of Weinstein during the past 15 years. And she holds a discouraging perception of the movement itself. One of her claims is that the Me Too movement prevents women and men from staying true to themselves and is overly sensitive. She also thinks that if a woman is sexually assaulted, then that woman must recognize that she was somewhat responsible for getting into such a situation in the first place. Despite her hostile attitude against the movement, she has claimed that her efforts have motivated victims of sexual assault to speak out. Here's a video from CBS New York titled, Gail King Interview, Harry Weinstein's Lawyer. Do you ever worry that you're making it harder for women who have been sexually harassed, assaulted, raped to come forward? No, I would hope that I'm making it easier for them. I would hope that doing what I'm doing makes them realize they have choices. And if they really are in a position that they feel uncomfortable, then the first thing they should do is report it. They should go to the police. And I think that that sort of weeding out the cases that don't rise to the level of real assaults should help real victims. So no, I think I'm helping them actually. Honestly, I find this to be completely contradictory. What are your thoughts, Kayla? Would you say she is helping victims by pointing out their right to choice and by distinguishing real from non-genuine assaults? Um, I think her comments are insensitive with what she's doing and what she's saying. Um, If you're an advocate for survivors, you would not find these different avenues to victim blame them for their experiences. Um, And going back to what I mentioned earlier, you can't control someone else's narrative. Um, To say that we have to distinguish between what's real and what's not and kind of just put words in survivors' mouths, Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very rude. Um, And also, going back to what you mentioned earlier, there's no situation that a person can put themselves in to lead to sexual assault. There's nothing that these women did wrong that warranted sexual violence or warranted them being traumatized or experiencing something traumatic in general. I think we have to get away from this culture of why were you there, what were you wearing, what you did wrong, and say, hey, let's hold this person accountable for their actions. And also, with with holding people accountable for their actions and being transparent, we also have to ask survivors, are you okay? What do you need? Yeah. How can I support you? Not why were, why you, were there? you there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, just recently, a verdict was reached. Although Weinstein was not convicted of the most severely punishing crime, predatory sexual assault, he was found guilty of third-degree rape of Jessica Mann and a first-degree criminal sexual act against Mimi Haley, which aligned with five to twenty-five years in prison 
and no more than four years of probation. Personally, I feel as if this is a huge step for the Me Too movement and the issue of sexual violence overall in society. Yes, there is a lot of progress that still remains, but I find it encouraging to see that various women have spoken out against a once well-respected figure and are actually taken seriously. It poses the idea that some individuals have about the regularity of false accusations. Most victims like Mann and Haley aren't just going around falsely accusing others. They have experiences that they deserve to report and share with the remainder of society. Kayla, now that the case has concluded, even though Weinstein will now go to Los Angeles for another case, and even though society still has much to do in terms of its support for sexual assault victims, how do you think the Me Too movement has been impacted? Um, I would say that it's the right step in the direction, yeah. in, a, in the right direction, because I never want to kind of go against any survivor's sense of justice or what okay. their definition of justice yeah. is. Um, for me, justice goes beyond just putting someone in prison. Okay, the um, yeah. It goes to education, some sense of restorative justice, um, community accountability, and providing resources for survivors, and also creating this culture where we can dismantle systems of oppression that leads to sexual violence. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I think this verdict, what it does for the Me Too movement, it gives a sense of power Okay. Um, to people to speak up, to hold people accountable. Um, I think when we think about sexual violence, we think that these people in Hollywood or these public figures or yeah. these celebrities, that they can't be held accountable for anything because of their sense of power and that just because they're in this certain powerful position, there's no type of accountability or they're incapable of raping someone because they have all this money and they mm -hmm. get anyone yeah. they want. So we had to work on dismantling that as well. But I do think that right now this verdict is giving people hope um, and it's giving people a voice um, to come forward about their assaults as well. And so it's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. And I wanted to leave this discussion on a note regarding future student initiative with values like selflessness, empathy, and inclusiveness. How can high school students help address the issue of sexual violence? Um, I think it's very important to note that students have more power than they yes. think they yeah. actually have. Um, at the end of the day, this is your school. These are your mm -hmm. institutions. And not just high school students, college students as well, middle school students. You have to understand that you have the power to control the narrative and you can outnumber your college administration. Yeah. Um, coming from a student organizing perspective and organizing on and off campus and also organizing at high schools with high school students and helping them on their institutions as well. I just want them to be mindful of that you have power and you have rights as a student and you can push your administration to do what you want them to do. Yeah. Um, and this goes with protecting students, providing resources, and making sure that every student on this campus or every student in this space um, has these rights and feels safe, um, and feels safe enough to come forward where they will be supported and they will be give have access to these resources, get these accommodations, be educated on Title IX, and not be retaliated against. Well, again, thank you so much for coming out to join me today. I really appreciate it and continue doing the meaningful work that you're doing. We'll be back after a short break. So, you've heard me talk about certain things, and you may be wondering, who am I? Well, to say the least, I'm Akil Merchant, and I'm a high school junior from Atlanta, and this is just a way for me to dissect certain issues that I'm passionate about that I want to talk about with other students, with outside experts, and even you. I think that there are a lot of issues that certain groups and populations aren't well aware of. And what I want to do is expose them to those problems. 
But most especially, I want high school students to care more and realize that even if they might be young, and even if a problem may not directly be affecting them, they have the voices and the means to address certain issues. But enough about me right now. Let's get back to today's episode. I'm back here with Fiona Hendricks, a current sophomore at the Mount Vernon School. Now that I've talked with Kayla, I wanted to get a sense of what another teenager or high school student might be thinking about the case. So Fiona, let's touch on your perspective of the Me Too movement. For me, I think it's an initiative that has allowed a lot of individuals, many mainly women, to just speak out about their experiences with sexual violence. But there's also other individuals who see it as a movement that's led to a lot of false accusations. But regardless of my opinion, and regardless of the case itself, what do you think about the Me Too movement? Um, as a girl in high school, the Me Too movement is definitely woven into my future. I think that's the first thing we should address. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Me Too movement sets a precedent of respect in the workplace that wasn't necessarily there before. More specifically, respecting women as colleagues and not sex symbols. Yeah, I agree with your opinion too, but it's important that it's not just about sexual violence, but sexual harassment such as catcalling and just the vocabulary and yeah. words and dialect spoken in the workplace. Definitely. And so I think it's good that we've set this context, a t- context of what your beliefs are. And so now I'm just going to read out some quotes from the Weinstein's defense attorney, Donna Rotuno. She's a fierce opponent of the movement, and I don't want our discussion just to like comprise of us insulting her, but rather let's talk about the mindset mindset shift that she might want to take and what she may be forgetting when she says certain things. And so the first quote says, I feel that women may rue the day that all of this, and this is like the Me Too movement, started when no one asks them out on a date and no one holds the door open for them and no one tells them that they look nice. So what do you think? Um, there's a difference between acting like a gentleman and sexually harassing a woman, and that's why this quote doesn't make any sense to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a day and age when women and men should know how to romantically respect each other, and these women aren't coming out and saying Harvey Weinstein held open a door for them, and that's the problem. They're coming yeah. out and saying that he raped and molested and pressured and threatened them in the workplace. So saying stuff like this, it's different. It's all about respect and it's all about um, perspective. And these women are saying something to a much serious extent than what this quote entails. I also think it's just like about boundaries. Like women deserve to have boundaries when they're treated by men. Like men can ask them out on dates. Men can hold them, hold doors for them. But it's also like that's way different from raping somebody. And it's all about communication. If a woman doesn't feel comfortable with a man holding up a door for him, then she should tell him. And if mm-hmm. I think it's also about consent too. Um, consent and communication is really important in just any relationship that you have. And she's over-exaggerating, I think, the purpose of the Me Too movement. The purpose of the Me Too movement is not to say that men and women are, like, isolated. It's to just show that, like, men need to be more respectful of values that they set. And I think this kind of plays into the um, idea of feminism and modern feminism. And it's like, oh, if you're a feminist, then, like, why do you let the man open the door for yeah. you? And, like, why do you let the man pay for the date? And I think that's something that you have to talk to about your partner like you can always split the bill Mm -hmm. you can always pay for one meal and he pays for the next meal so I think it's about communication with your partner or with the person that you're um having this relationship with whether that's platonic or romantic so 
I think communication is really important in this. And I think the problem that she's communicating is different than what the problem that these women are coming out and saying that, no, he's raped us. He's molested us. He's threatened us. Not just hold the door. Yeah, not just hold open the door or um, ask us out on dates. Okay, I think that's good for the first quote. Now, the second quote, it's about the choice to continue a relationship like with a man after a traumatic experience. And so the quote is, but I get for, but I get frustrated when I listen to these types of situations and I hear a woman say, well, I didn't have a choice. And then she goes on to say, well, no, you had a choice and you made a choice. Um, any toxic relationship, you don't necessarily have a safe place to get out of it. So I think yeah. that's the first thing that you have to bring up in this type of argument is in a lot of um, domestic violence cases, women don't feel safe leaving their partner or men don't feel safe leaving their partner too. Um, even children and adults and parents, this isn't just a romantic situation, but in any toxic relationship, there's always the fear of something that that partner can do because that partner is... Um, above you and that partner yeah. has more authority than you so i think saying something like this is when she says that she's getting frustrated because you have a choice and you made a choice no even if you're in a relationship with someone even if you've been dating or even if you're married you can still be raped you can still be molested it's all about consent again and if you are doped or if you're drugged or if you have blatantly said no that's still rape whether or not you are married or not married um so you don't have a choice. My, my whole point is like the harasser is the one that made the choice. The rapers, the rapist is the one that made the choice. The people that have to suffer these violations are not the ones that made the choice. They didn't choose to be treated in the way that they were treated. So. And in the context of the Weinstein like case overall, like when you talked about the rapist being the higher authority, he has a lot of influence in the entertainment industry. And so I think when you have victims in his case, a lot of them might feel like if he if they leave him, then they're not going to be successful anymore. And, and that, it, it's, it's not just like they feel that way. Yeah. When I was talking about he he's threatened yeah. these women before. Um, he was a big time Hollywood producer. These women were actresses trying to make it. And mm-hmm. when you have this big producer telling you to do something and threatening you won't get this role, you won't get this promotion if you don't do it. He's threatening their jobs and their positions. So it's not just about you making a choice and not making a choice all the time. There's the gray air in between. Like, all the all the black and white problems have already been solved. Yeah. So um, I think there's a lot of gray area in these statements that she's making that she's not necessarily thinking about the other consequences and these actions. And everyone's story is different. Um, you can't just combine all of these women's stories into one, which I feel like sometimes the Me Too movement entails. Is, yeah. These are all just women coming out and um, saying that they've been sexually harassed or sexually assaulted in some way. But no, men have also yeah. come up and said these same things, too. And I think that was the big bombshell um, was just this toxic environment in the workplace of not being colleagues, but being seen as sex symbols. And so now that the case is over, what do you think is the future of the movement? Do you think it's going to grow and show individuals like after 100 100 individuals spoke out against Harvey Weinstein that women now have a voice? 
Um, I think it definitely has. You see these Hollywood actresses that I've seen on screens growing up my entire life that are coming out and saying these terrible things that's happened to them and these mm-hmm. men that I've looked up to my entire life and these terrible things that have happened to them by these people in power. And I think it really changes the workplace. And um, to some of the points that um, Harvey Weinstein's defense attorney was saying is that, yes, it can... Um, there's false accusations that come out and that's the like the big controversy thing in the Me Too movement is how can you prove these things that can't yeah. always be proven and like how do you know someone's lying or how when someone's, someone's not lying while I completely support the Me Too movement I also have to think critically and think about yes that can happen and yes that might happen and yes that does happen um so I think that me growing up in high school it's definitely made me more aware of where I could be working and mm-hmm. what type of profession I want to go into and how it's going to be different for me um, after the Me Too movement versus my mom, uh, my stepmom and my mom are the breadwinners of the family. So they make, yeah. they've always been the one that's proved, like been quote unquote, like higher up or um, which is different, especially going to the school I go to now. That's not, I don't see that as much. Um, and it's different hearing their experiences in the workplace and my stepmom's in the STEM field. So especially in her field, she was always getting paid less than her male colleagues for a position that she was higher in. So um, I think it shifts the my perspective and how grateful I am to come um, into professionalism after the Me Too movement. But I think it's also my responsibility to carry on the Me Too movement and carry on um, the legacy and what these men and women were trying to create, which was a safer and more professional, just a professional workplace that's healthy. And so I wanted to go through some of the punishments. He was convicted of first-degree criminal sexual act against Mimi Haley. It was 5 to 25 years in prison, but the sentence will be later, I think, in March. Another thing that he was convicted of was third-degree rape of Jessica Mann. And he could face up to four years of probation. Do you think that punishment is enough? No. Um, I think that all the things Harvey Weinstein has done, and he's not getting charged for all of these like most of these women that have come out and said things against them they're not pressing charges against him um i think it's really important that he did face penalties in some way he didn't get off um free Mm -hmm. but at the same time there's people who have um a lot have misdemeanors and um have a lot i mean this is the battle between the american justice system and um there's people who are incarcerated for much longer periods for carrying um, drugs and narcotics, which I, I mean, this is playing like the dangerous game between like Me Too movement comparing it to drugs and narcotics. So they're definitely different scenarios. But which is the harsher evil? Like, which is the harshest evil? Harvey Weinstein has pressed so, has just changed the, the, not just Hollywood, but just any workplace in America, especially. So I think comparing it to like, which is the harsher evil? Um, mm-hmm drugs or hurting these women for years and years and years and years and getting away with it until he's this old now it's like really he did this for this many years and he's only going to prison for this many years while he's older now and while he did this on his young it just it's kind of aggravating the fact that he was able to get away with it for so long um and then face a penalty that's still severe but uh, i think could be harsher And um, like I did with Kayla, I wanted to leave off with a small talk about what we as high school students can address the issue of sexual violence, including for many of us 
who haven't really experienced it firsthand. Um, me, I haven't experienced firsthand, but I have experienced catcalling from a young age. I mean, mm-hmm. just walking on the street, I'll have men double my age, triple my age, yeah, wow. comment on me, which is just, it's like, that's just weird mm-hmm. and gross. And especially when you're a 12 year old or 13 year old, like walking in the airport, it's just really disheartening. And it's scary because um, the times, like the first time I was catcalled, I was just walking with my sister. So my sister's younger than me and having mm-hmm. to be put in a situation I wasn't ever put in before without having ever had this talk with my parents before it's scary and you hear all these horror stories about women who don't respond to the cat callers or women who tell the cat callers to back off and then they end up getting murdered they end up getting um hurt and it's really scary thinking that I have to as a woman I have to be careful about walking late at night I have to be careful about who's around me I have to be careful if I'm alone or not um so I think that they're while the, the Me Too movement is really important and really impactful there's still so much that can be done in society that's not necessarily just in the workplace and I think as high schoolers it's important to check what you're saying in the dialect that you're using about not just women but about any of your um any of your peers like not thinking of them by their intellect and not by their physical appearance or not by um the things that they've done before but talking to people as normal people um, at the end of the day is the most important thing. I think empathy is the most important thing. Like, would you want to be treated the same way you're treating or the same way you're talking about someone behind their back? And one of the things that I wanted to touch on is when you have teenage boys, oftentimes they feel like it's not masculine enough to support women's rights, to support the Me Too movement, to just be an overall advocate for equality across all genders. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think when I've talked to... As middle school, I was known as, like, the quote-unquote feminist girl, yeah. and I was the one that was all about, um, like, the equal pay and all about just women looked at equal to men, and I think I got made fun of a lot for that. Um, and there were some points where I definitely backed off and didn't talk about the issues that were pressing on my heart more because I was scared of the reputation I was going to have. But at the end of the day, it's um, – I think men and boys in high school, they don't think of these same things as I think they think of them as not being masculine enough because they haven't been able to have this conversation with a girl mm-hmm. before. Yeah. And the more I've talked to boys my age uh, and I've told them my experience, I think they kind of realize like, oh, wait, this is a problem. And the words I'm using could be a problem. And the words I'm using um, matter. Words matter <laughs> a lot. So um, I think the whole point of boys being like, oh, you're a feminist, like, yeah. and kind of taunt me with that kind of just made me think about like later down the road you'll understand and that's what I've noticed most of the time is just having the conversation with these high school boys which I feel like at the school kind of or just um the education system kind of owes to just the community right now is having these open conversations about gender that haven't been talked about before we talk about women's suffrage but we talk we don't talk about um not just equal pay because these are all concrete concrete problems that can be proven but um the abstract problems are just i think the biggest one is the dialect you use and the way you talk about women and women being seen as professionals and not being seen as um physical physical people um so that's my response to that question so i think it's a big part would be like spreading awareness just telling other individuals like that this is an issue especially if even if you haven't experienced sexual violence, you've experienced catcalling, like the things of that nature, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And I think understanding that um, 
as a it's really helpful and it's really impactful no matter if you're a boy or a girl to advocate for these issues Mm -hmm. especially at a younger age it's really important to change to change the notion and to change society at such a young age because it's going to carry on without you as you get older so you'll be able to have these strong morals at such a young age you'll be able to carry them out and advocate them for them the rest of your life Well, I think that's a wrap for today. The Harvey Weinstein case may be closed, but we still have a lot of progress to make. He's actually going to face another trial in Los Angeles soon. And the issue of sexual violence will continue to be present within our society if we don't do something about it. Thank you, Fiona, for joining me and any of you at home that might be listening. I'll see you next time.